if you are new with us, we're in week four of a series entitled Chasing the Wind. It's in the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, it's been a really uplifting series, hasn't it? Right? Uh, we've talked about this Hebrew word hevel and this word vanity in most of your Bibles, that life is meaningless, it's, it's fleeting, it's frustrating, it's often puzzling at times. And if that wasn't enough, we've talked about over and over and over that you are going to die. Right? That the mortality rate is still 100%. And some of you are thinking like, Tim, this is the series I decided to invite a friend to. Like, because you've told me about this. And, and the reality is, if you're somebody here that's new to Jesus or new to church, it's great that you came during this series. Because the book of Ecclesiastes isn't written to the religious, it's written to the realist. And you're going to see that really quickly if you haven't already. So in light of being real, I, I want to get real with you today. Is that okay? All right, either way, I'm going to get real with you in a second. Okay. I want to ask you a real question. It's this. Why are you here today? I don't mean why you're here on the earth. I mean why are you here in this room today, like Phoenix Bible Church? Why did you show up in this room? I think we did a poll and we actually got responses from a lot of you. Uh, your answers would be varied. Some of you might say, well, Tim, uh, I, I need to get my life right. Life is hard. There is a lot going on. And uh, the moral, the noble, the good thing to do is to come to church. And maybe you say that and we love it that you are here. Maybe for some of you, it's like, Tim, I, w- I want to know the Bible. And I heard it's like Phoenix Bible Church, and so maybe you guys are going to teach the Bible, and I kind of want to navigate this complex book, 66 books, 40 plus authors, through three different languages, like confusing, I can't make it past Leviticus, like in my Bible reading plan, and so maybe you could teach me the Bible. And maybe some of you, if you're just honest, it's not those reasons, but why you're here is, I, mean, I got kids living in this crazy world, and so I, I want to bring them here, because I need something that's safe and fun for my family, and Christian radio wasn't enough, so you, you bring them in the church, and you're just like, I want some positive reinforcement for my kids, and maybe that's why you're here. And yet, maybe still some of you are here because, like, you, you don't know why you're here. You're just like, I thought we were going to brunch downtown, <laughs> and we are ended up in church, and so I don't know what's going on right now. We're glad you're here, too. Listen, I, I don't know why you think you're here, but here's why you are here. You're here for relationship with God vertically and relationship with one another horizontally. You're here to participate in what scripture calls the family of God, a community centered on Christ. And, and you see it as we back up, even out of Ecclesiastes to the very beginning of our Bibles. You see, what's the first thing that God says is not good in our Bibles? Being alone. And listen, that's pre-fall, pre-sin, he says that. You're meant to be, you're designed to be in relationship. But it's not even just that. It's not that you're designed to be in relationship. It's part of the DNA of God himself. We believe God is Trinity. What, what What that means is he's three in one. That he himself is communal by nature. Father, Son, and Spirit. And you are, listen, whether you're a Christian or not, you're made in his image. And so it's been hardwired into you to need relationship. And so whether that's why you came in here, it's why you exist. It's what church is all about. And yet I know that many of us, we desire that. There's an ounce of us that wants that, but we say, well, that's really hard. Like, it's really hard for lots of reasons. 
for yourself, for the people around you, for our world. And so we just want to wade in those waters this morning. And we want to look at Ecclesiastes 4 and look at what Solomon has to say of why we need community. This is the point, so you want to write them down. Why we need community, why is it so hard, we're going to address it, and then how we move forward. So that's where we're headed. Ecclesiastes chapter four, get God's word in front of you. You can do that with the Ecclesiastes journal and just flip a few pages. You can get a Bible. If you don't have one, there's one under the seat in front of you. Go Psalms, Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes. We'll be in chapter four. I'm gonna read it and then we'll break it down. Ecclesiastes four, we'll start in verse one. It says this. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun and behold the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead, more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This is also vanity or hevel, a puff of smoke, a striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity, a puff of smoke, an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So here's our first point as we break all of this down. Why do you need community? Solomon's going to say it's not only hardwired into your life, but it's because life is hard. Did you catch that? Verses one through three, look at those verses. There's oppression, there's evil, and there's envy. Solomon says, our world is dark. And think about who Solomon is. The wealthiest man at this point in time. The most powerful man at this point in time. The most pleasureful man at this point in time. We, we talked about how he just didn't seek pleasure. He found it. And that same guy is saying, but the oppression and the evil and the envy, man, it's too much. It's dark. And, and if that wasn't dark enough, he gets a little bit darker. And his response to all of that, he says, you know what? I think it might be better if we just didn't experience this life anymore. I think it might be better if we were dead. And then he doubles down and says, actually, the more I think about it, I think it's better to not even have been born because then you didn't get to see any of the oppression and the evil to begin with. Solomon, if you thought he was dark before, he, he goes a little darker, right? Like, welcome to church. And here's what I know. Some of us, this is uncomfortable for us, Right? Because we're used to, yeah, I see the darkness in the world. I see the brokenness in the world. But you come into a church setting, and we don't really call it darkness or brokenness or sin. We call it like mistakes or regret or like bad things. And and then we say, I know there's bad things, but the best is yet to come. You heard that sermon? 
Like, hey, rejoice. Like, hey, I got joy, 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 joy down in my heart, and it's down in my heart to stay, right? And some of you, like, that's what you're used to in church. So you're uncomfortable with passages like this. And you need to know there is joy in the Bible. Like the book of Philippians, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. That's in the Bible, but so is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. See, Solomon, we're going to get to a solution, but first he wants you to sit in the darkness of our world, to acknowledge it, to look at what's going on in the Ukraine and just say simply, "Ah, that's hard. I shouldn't be that way. To look at the darkness of sin in your own heart and just think, that's hard. It shouldn't be this way. And you're meant to, Solomon's trying to get you a little bit more comfortable with sitting in the sadness that is life at times and not being so quickly to escape that. We're going to get to a solution in a moment, but, but I believe God wants us to lament because there is Philippians and joy, but there's also Job and Lamentations and the weeping prophet and Ecclesiastes to remind us it's okay. Maybe some of you are wondering, Ukraine, should I post about it? How should I talk about it? What's the first thing you should do as a Christian? The first thing you should do, not the forever thing, but the first thing you should do is say, that's hard. There's healing in that. Our world needs Christians to acknowledge that. But yet I know in my own experience, that isn't what we always do. I remember in college when I was a Christian and I started to face some hard realities of life, the brokenness and darkness of life. And I came to a church like this and I came to community like this. And I said, man, I'm struggling here. I see this in scripture, but I see this in life and I'm trying to navigate it all. And what does it mean? And I remember being pointed to the five points of Calvinism. It's a, a group of people said, you know what you really need? The tulip. <laughs> That's the key to unlock it all. If you can just get that, you're going to get the brokenness. You're going to get the goodness of God. That's what you need. And I remember I studied and I got into theology and I got all into the tulip. And that helped for a little while. But then I was still navigating the difficulties of life. And then I got a little bit more charismatic. And I, I went around some other people in other churches. And they said, you know what you really need? The second baptism. You, need the, you got the Holy Spirit, but not in this way. You haven't experienced this yet. If you get this, then it's all going to make sense. I remember I tried that too. Like, Holy Spirit, rain down, fire from heaven, let's go. Life's hard. I need some help. And that helped for a little while. And then I remember going into bookstores and thinking, like, well, I, I still need help. And there would be books like the Prayer of Jabez. You know what you really need is read this book. It's going to bring it all together. <laughs> right? And I remember it helped for a little while and didn't last. And I remember it was a different group of people, different church, and they were like, you know what you really need? Hillsong latest album. You need some oceans to flood over your life. And other forms of water that we like to sing about, right? And this is the key. And they didn't last. There were still hardships, and my heart was hurting, and I didn't know how to navigate that. Have you been there? And here, Solomon's here to remind us the worship's not bad, the book is not bad, the theology is not bad, the Holy Spirit's definitely not bad, but, but you need to sit in the fact that the world is broken and not be so quick to jump out of it 
Because God wants to teach us. He wants to cause us, listen, to lean on one another and to lean on him and to grow in that way. And so Solomon's going to say, the the reason you need community is not because it's just hardwired into your life. It is, but also because life is hard. If I could sum up this whole sermon, it's life is hard. You can't do it alone. And so we need to acknowledge that. Hopefully I freed some of you today. Acknowledge it. It's hard. But then also recognize Solomon does bring some solutions, and God brings some solutions. Like, I, I don't want to just pray and go home. Like, life is dark. Like, AC, he kind of did that last week. You remember that? Like, life is hard. You're all going to die. And he's like, let's pray and go home. <laughs> but then he brought back, like, life in Jesus. Thanks, AC, for doing that, right? But we're not going to do that. Solomon has a remedy, and, and it's community. And he's going to get to that. Look at verses 9 through 12. Here's the three things that community provides in the midst of hardship. It doesn't remove the hardship. It just gives you something to navigate the hardship well. Look at it with me. Verse 9, he says, two are better than one because there's more reward for your toil. That we have purpose in community. That we have an impact in the darkness of our world. We can bring light, but only if we do it together. Here's an example. We look at not just our world and see brokenness. We look in the state of Arizona. I could give you a long list of brokenness and dark things in the state of Arizona. Here's just one thing that's, that's predominant that we see a lot, the foster care crisis. Did you know that every year, about 800 kids will age out of foster care? That about 20% of them will become homeless instantly? That 30% of them will be arrested? And we look at that just in our state of Arizona, and we can say, that's dark. That's those kids, like that shouldn't be that way. But we can sit in that for a little while and then we can see, well, what's the solution? Come together. Yeah, I can work really hard by myself, but what if we come together? Yeah, I can, we can do a lot as one church, but what if we partner with other churches? Yeah, we can do a lot as churches, but maybe we don't know exactly how to end the foster care crisis. And maybe there's experts and nonprofits that we can partner with. The two are better than one. And so we do things like partner with one of our ministry partners, Ohana, who we met this week for lunch, who we looked at those stats of all the kids aging out of foster care. And we looked at last year and how you guys joined together to give like $17,000 to Ohana, the biggest gift they've ever received from a little old church in Phoenix. Why? Because you came together. And so the world is dark, but you as the church community just brought some light in the midst of that darkness. We have mentors. Some of you don't even know this. We have mentors right now in the foster care system with Ohana. We have somebody in our church who's on our worship band who just said, hey, I have a gift of playing guitar, and I think I have enough. I know enough people because he's like really good at guitar, and like a lot of people even kind of know who he is. He's in this room, and I'm, I'm totally embarrassing right now. Um, but he's like, I think I can get like five guitars donated. And he did. And he's like mentoring these foster kids in group homes and teaching them how to play guitar. And some of y'all may need to join him. And, and in other ways, you don't know how to play guitar, you don't need to join him. But like in other, other ways, we have people mentoring and what's happening? It's a dark world, but light is invading the darkness. How? Through community, through people, 
There's purpose. The second thing is there's perseverance. Verse 10, look at that verse. He says, when you fall, which everyone will, you have someone to pick you up and keep going. You have protection, verses 11 and 12. You have people to keep you warm. You have people to literally protect you against attack, maybe physical attack, practically, but maybe spiritual attack. There's the idea that he talks about being kept warm. There's the idea that we think, well, we got hotels when we're traveling. We got heaters to keep us warm. They didn't have that. They had caves and they had people and they had each other and they would huddle up and keep each other warm. It's this picture of companionship and comfort. And then he talks about this three-chord strand that's, that's not so easily broken, that you can be protected in the midst of crisis and conflict if you work together. And Solomon said, life is dark, but the remedy is community. You can have purpose, protection, perseverance through it. That's how we navigate it. You can't do it alone. But this isn't just biblical. This is biological. Did you know that neural pathways in your brain open up when someone just listens to you and empathizes with you? Like there's physical healing through emotional connection. Did you know that? This is the way we're designed. This is what God has for us in the midst. He's not ignoring these realities and these hardships, but he is giving us a remedy and it's called community. And some of you are thinking, well, Tim, yeah, okay. But community itself is hard. Like you're talking about life is hard. Like my family's hard. This church sometimes is hard. Like people sin against me and nobody said hi to me when I walked in. It just seems like we're making it harder. And here's the first thing you need to know. Solomon's pretty clear that two are better than one, not easier than one. Nobody said it was easy. It is hard to have community, but it's better. It's worth it. And so I just, again, we like to acknowledge really awkward things here and like harsh realities here. I hope you're okay with that. So I just want to acknowledge, why is community so hard? I have a list for you. Uh, here's the first thing. I think community is so hard for some of us because of laziness. Some of you weren't looking for that. You're like, no, I'm busy, Tim, I'm not lazy. I think sometimes our, our busyness, our laziness rather, is cloaked in busyness. Here's a test. Here's how you know. You text somebody and say, hey, let's hang out. Or you just try to get into a conversation with them over text. And, and they kind of blow you off and ghost you, right? And maybe eventually they say, I was really busy. But you're in like a 30-minute conversation with them. And eventually they, they, they start talking about shows they watch. And you're like, well, you watch a lot of shows for being so busy. Um, how do you know about Steel Magnolias? Like, season two already came out? Like, y'all don't watch Steel Magnolias? Okay. That's just me and my wife. Um, and you start to realize, like, oh, you're so busy, but, like, you have time to binge watch, like, the newest, latest show. You're up to speed. It's like, oh, you're not busy. You're lazy. There's some laziness. We just, can we just acknowledge that? Sometimes, instead of going to a community group, it's easier to get in your robe and watch Netflix. Amen? Let's just be honest in church. Amen? Sometimes it's easier to be lazy. Now, we're going to get to, I know you're busy and important. We're going to get to that. But sometimes if we just really look at our lives, the reason why we don't go to church, the reason why we don't make effort in community, it's just hard. It's easier to, to not do anything. The second reason is we are busy. Uh, we're busy with technology. We're busy with work. 
Many of us, oftentimes, we're really busy watching other people experience community while we're by ourselves. Right? We're like, oh, cute, they're doing stuff together. How's that work? As we're by ourselves. This is our world. We're, we're busy. Solomon's going to acknowledge we're not just busy from distraction, we're busy from work. Right, did you catch that? Verses 4 and 8. Verse 4, he says, we work so hard because we care about what other people think of us. We want them to see us as important. Right? We want them to envy us, and we work hard for that purpose to impress these other people. Ironically, that in verse 8, he says, you don't actually have those people in your life. You have no son, you have no brother. Some scholars say that's like a real situation, like maybe somebody who doesn't have a son, doesn't have a brother, and yet some scholars say what Solomon is getting at there is you do have a son, you do have a brother, you just don't know him because you work so much. And the reality is we have to look at our lives and see, and sometimes we're just too busy with technology, with our vocation, with work, to have community. And maybe like Solomon talks about, you're doing it to impress people that you don't actually end up getting around. What's the point? That's what he said. It's vanity, it's puff of smoke, it's not worth it. But yet, that's, many of us, that's why it's so hard to have community. The third thing, that's not in this passage specifically, but I think if we pull out and look at all of scripture and life, one reason community is so hard is unrealistic expectations. We got examples like Cheers in the 80s. And whether you watch that or not, some of you, like everybody wants to go somewhere where they know your name and they're always glad you came, right? Everybody wants that. And we kind of see that depiction, whether it's Cheers or another show or Instagram. And you're like, I want that, Tim. Yeah, like I want, you know what I want? Not too much, not too much, just three people who all own a dog, because cats, little heretical, satanic, you know, um, I just want righteous people with dogs, right? And not just dogs, but like golden dogs, like golden doodles, golden retrievers, like something with golden in the name, and a similar stage of life, and, and like, I want to be vulnerable, but if I'm going to be vulnerable, they have to immediately be vulnerable with me, and, and we have to share the same, like, they have to be vegan, because I'm vegan, or they have to love smoked ribs, because I love smoked ribs, and like, I'm holy, because that's really where God blesses people, you know what I'm saying? And it, can you just find me three people? Just like that. And then what happens? When we don't get that, we're like, what? Sam had it? How come I don't have it? And maybe I should just go back home. Because it's too hard. Because you have unrealistic expectations. So here's what many of you do. You're like, hey, church is too hard. They, they do offend me. I haven't found my three people who have everything in common. Like they're sinful people, imperfect people moved by the perfect love of Jesus. Like I definitely see the imperfect people, Tim. And you're just like, it's too hard. So you go home. And you try to, ironically, you're trying to escape the darkness that you think even people and community actually bring on your life, and yet you go home and you isolate and you just sink deeper into the darkness, right? And many of us, that's, that's why community is so hard. Anybody with me? You don't have to raise your hand, but I, I feel this at times, right? Unrealistic expectations. Another reason why it's so hard for many of us is polarization and politics. Come on, somebody. Amen? 
last couple years, this is the reason why many of us, like you had friends even in the church and now they blocked you on Facebook, right? We just need to acknowledge this has made community even harder because of tribalism and, and politics and polarization and the way we, we don't just debate topics, we destroy people. And we've let this even invade the church. Listen, what I lament in our world in the midst of politics and the midst of polarization is not the world going at each other and destroying each other on Twitter. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Of course, that's what they do. Here's what I lament. Christians doing that. Right? We have the Holy Spirit. We are connected to Christ. Not a country, first and foremost. And yet we got off. It's communities harder than ever. Some of you have that friend. This wasn't ethereal. They blocked you. Or you blocked them because it was too much. It's hard. Over the last couple of years as well, COVID, quarantine, isolation. We had one of our kids. We have three kids, 12, 9, and 6. They've done the online school. Now they're in person. They asked the other day. This is kind of funny, but really sad. They asked the other day, hey, my friend hugged me, my little six-year-old daughter. She said, my friend hugged me. Is that okay? Is community harder because of the last two years? I don't want to know your opinion on vaccines or masks. I'm not, talk I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is that has made community hard. Amen? It's made community hard. And here's what I know. Because it's made community hard, it's already hard because of sin and your flesh. You already want to isolate, not cultivate community. It's already, and these things have made it harder. Solomon acknowledges that. We have to acknowledge that in 2022. And if we're not careful, we can believe the lie of the enemy and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to escape the darkness by, by isolating, even though that gets me more into it. And you can believe the lie of the enemy that, hey, you know what? You're the only one. You're the only one. You're the only one it's hard for. Everybody at like Instagram, easy for them. Church easy. These people look dressed nice. They don't have what I got going on in my life. It's probably easy for them. It's just hard for me. That is a lie from the enemy. You know what the light of God and community says? I love it from C.S. Lewis. He says, here's what friendship is. It's that moment where you look across at another person and you say, oh, you too? You too? And the reality is you have to break out of your isolation and cultivate community to experience that. You have to come to a sermon like this where I just depress you with all the hard things about community. But we need to know because hopefully some of you just said, oh, he, him too? Oh, these people too? They struggle with this too? Yes. Listen, scripture acknowledges this. You know, there's 59 one another's in the New Testament. Did you know many times it's not like, hey, good job for being with one another. <laughs> it's like, no, Here's how you be with one another because y'all screw it up all the time. That's why your Bible's so long. Right? Over and over, it's like, how do we, y'all don't know how to do this. We don't know how to do this. Paul with Barnabas, we don't know how to do this. So admonish one another. Oh yeah, you're gonna need to bear with one another. Forgive one another. Repent to one another. Pray for one another. 59 times, one another, one another. The Bible acknowledges it's gonna be hard. It acknowledges that you and your sin with another sinful person will be a train wreck without Christ, without patience, 
bearing, repenting, forgiving, not defending and deflecting, repenting and forgiving. The Bible knew you would be messy. He knew us would be messy, but he also, God also knew it'd be worth it. One of the things that I've loved seeing in the midst of the chaos in Ukraine is people gathered together singing. I saw, maybe some of you have seen this, I saw a family sitting in their kitchen singing, Christ will hold me fast together. I saw a group, a larger group of Christians singing in their own language, a song about God in the subway. You've seen this? Together. That, that's verses 9 through 12 of Ecclesiastes 4, the, perse- the perseverance, the purpose, the protection. We're seeing it lived out right now in their lives. And yet so many of us, we don't give that a chance in, in our own lives. We see it over there, and we're like, that's great for them. But it's like, who's your community in the midst of your heart? Ah, it's too messy. <laughs> it's too hard. And you know, we, we experience this in our own lives. I've experienced this even this last week. I'm in a community group, even as your pastor, I'm in a community group. And this week, I, I don't know if you know this, but being a pastor is just kind of weird, right? Uh, there's lots of things. I'm just gonna give you one, right? Uh, in community group, for me, it's kind of weird to share things because a lot of people will share in community group. Maybe you've been in one, like, hey, my job is really hard right now. <laughs> when I share that as a pastor, it's like, that means you're really hard right now, Right? And so if I, if I share, like, here's what I'm struggling with, it's like, it's hard for them not to be personally offended by that. And, and so this week, uh, we were uh, talking about the hardships in our life and sharing community with one another. And finally, at the end, they were like, yeah, but Tim, what about you? That's good community, amen? What about you? I said, okay, all right. You really want to know is y'all. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. But I was like, you know, I, I got some hardships in our, in our church. We're in a busy season right now. A lot of good things going on, but a lot of hard things going on. And it was one of those moments where uh, the person I was riding with had to leave, and so we just had to pray and go home after that. It was awkward. The whole way home, I was like, I don't think I should have done that. (laughs) That was not good. That's not what I read about. I wasn't comforted and warmed by that, right? And I doubted, like, should I have done that? It was awkward. Nobody was vulnerable with me right after I was vulnerable with them. You've been there? The next day, I was kind of still going in that doubt. I'm pastor. I can't struggle even. That's too much. I was going through all these doubts. And that person who I shared this stuff with in our community group sent me a text and just said, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Hey, I heard this song twice today, and I thought exactly about your situation. And I just want, do you see that? And we started dialoguing about it. And I saw this thing open up. I saw neural pathways in my brain open up, and physical healing started to happen with this emotional, relational connection. And I was reminded, it's hard, but it's worth it. It's hard, but it's, it's worth it. Right. So here's our last thing, and then we're going to close. Here's three things of how do we actually experience this? You can write these things down. They're not on the screen, but you can write them down. The first one is this. Make community a priority. Make community a priority. Did you know that nothing in life works like how we expect community and church to work? I know we're at the end of February, but do you remember your New Year's resolutions to get healthy, eat right, work out? How does that work? You join Orange Theory Fitness, and they won't let you come unless you schedule it. Why? Because you won't come unless you schedule it, right? 
And yet, we, we know this about work. We have to make it a priority. We have to work hard to advance our career. We have to get educated, leadership training, and all those things. We think intentionality, priority with our work, with our health. And yet, church, we think, maybe if I feel like it. You know, maybe if Sunday morning I wake up and nothing else is going on, then I'll go. No, no, no. Sunday church is a Saturday night decision. Community group, like, hey, one day when life slows down. How many of you have said that? Equip night on that Monday night? I'm too busy right now, but one day when life slows down, then I'll get to it. Is that how it works? In work? Your health? No. Is that how it works in church, community? No. You have to make community a priority. I saw this last night in our lives. I have a routine that starts about Saturday night at 6 p.m. I say goodbye to my family, and I go and I refine my sermon, and I try to get it in my head so I'm not stuck to my notes. And I have this process I go through, and my wife knows that. It's super gracious, so it doesn't plan a lot of socials on Saturday nights. I know you're all jealous of our lives right now, right? But like... Things are going on, a lot of things in the church, a lot of things, good things, but busy things. We have a bigger team, all these things. And we got invited by some friends to experience community last night on a Saturday night in the midst of my routine. And my first reaction was like, Jaya, you know my routine. And those people, y'all know I'm a pastor, right? Come on. And I just, we thought about it. We're just like, you know what? Uh, I need to practice what I preach and let's go experience community. And if the sermon's not as good, I'm sorry, okay? Uh, I was hanging out with community last night. And man, it was awesome. I, you, know, you know what I didn't do when I left there? Even right now, I'm preaching it to you right now. I didn't think, man, I regret doing that. Man, we laughed. We even cried together. We talked about God together. But you know what? I should have studied more. Is that what I did? Man, it was amazing. We were like, man, we feel so filled up right now. More than we have been in recent weeks. Like, I'm so glad. It helped me preach this sermon. That's the way it works for you. But you have to make community a priority. What does that look like for you? Uh, The second thing, you need to move. We say it here all the time. It's on my shirt. Love moves. And some of you you need to move. So I love it. We have a lot of new faces. This morning at 9 o'clock, there's a lot of new faces. And we love it that you have attended. We love it that you've come. We love it that you're watching online. But some of you, got, you need to move. You need to move from observation to participation. Some people will ask me, like, hey, Tim, what do you think the point of our church is? Like, what are we doing? Like, are you trying to inspire people, make sure they get richer with Bible knowledge? Are we trying to have an invigorating worship service? I'm like, yeah, we are trying to do all those things. But it's leading us down a path to a Christ-centered community, a family of God, the body of Christ bringing light into darkness. This isn't a conference we put on 52 times a year. What a bummer it would be if it was that. Well, how lame would it be if it was just that? We want you to move. Infect this world with the love of Christ and and do that and form and affect one another with the love of Christ based on his truth and God's word, based on the fact that you sang songs together and are serving together, that it overflows into our city and even in our world. if, If you were wondering, that's the goal of this time. That's what we want for every single one of you. You need to move. Some of you moving is joining a team. Some of you moving is going out to one of these tables and just joining a community group. 
Some of you, you've been doing that. For some of you, it's moving and stepping out and leading and facilitating other people experiencing that. Did you know many reasons why we don't have more people in community groups is not because you don't want to be in them and not because we don't want you in them. It's because we don't have room. We literally need just homes or condos or apartments, whatever you got, to host people. And maybe some of you today, your movement is just like, I got a house. (laughs) I'll have people over. Maybe some of you today, it's just, I'll join a team. I don't know how many people in our church. They've said to me, Tim, I was looking for community in all these places. And I just joined a team. I started serving and it was crazy. Once I started to focus on other people and not myself, all of a sudden, all these people were standing next to me. And I had friends and I had relationships. We have a men's study coming up in Titus in the mornings. We have an equip night. Move to one of those places. Here's the last thing. You're called community. Some of you think, Tim, you meant called to community. No, you're called community. That's what you're called. Why are you here? You are a community centered on Christ. Scripture says you're the body of Christ, the family of God, fellow heirs. I don't know if you see yourself that way. That's how God sees you. That's what he calls you. Here's how we apply this sermon. Be who you are. Amen? Start acting like what God says you already are. It's not an option. Community is not like an option, a ministry of the church for, for varsity, for the elite. This is, this is who you are. And start acting like it. Start moving in that direction. Be who you are. Be who God says you are. That's how we bring light in a dark world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these men and women. God, I pray that you would just strengthen our community. God, help this this hour on Sunday, not just be an hour on Sunday. God, I pray that it would flow out of this place into community, that, that people would experience light penetrating darkness maybe in their own lives, in their own heart, in their own sin, that people would experience light penetrating the darkness of our city, our state, and even our world, not because we're doing this alone, but because we are together. So God, I just pray for Phoenix Bible Church, for our community. God, even as we sing, as we sign up for teams and community groups after this and eat a snow cone, God, that you would just refocus us that you would help us to experience what we're designed to experience, to see your glory, to see your goodness amidst your community that you have prepared for us to walk in and with. God, we pray for your help in that. We can't do it alone. We need you. We need one another. We pray for your help in the name of Jesus. Amen.